Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back or welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. Simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 104, we sit down with Leslie Pope who is the new chair for the Niesco Women's Network Committee. And we, of course, we open up the episode similar to other conversations as we unpack Leslie's background growing up in coal country in Pennsylvania and how she got started in her career. But really, the bulk of our conversation is centered around this new committee that was formed by Niesco last year, appropriately titled the Women's Network Committee. Leslie and I unpack the origin behind establishing the committee in the first place and Really, we talk about some of the key initiatives they're looking to drive, and ultimately, we uncover and discuss how any individual, not just women, can be part of this great committee to promote diversity in our growing industry. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So uh, if you're one of the folks out there still streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your network and recommend to a friend or a colleague in our industry. Now, we think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Leslie and me. So let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Leslie Pope, who is the new chair for Diasco Women's Network Committee. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, um, yeah, we've had a few folks from the NASCO organization on the show over the years and um, great supporters of, uh, of the industry here. So I'm excited to dig into this new initiative and what you guys are up to. But before we get there, maybe if you could tell our audience a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and, and just kind of how you got started in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, So I grew up in coal country, so not exactly the first thing you think of Mm -hmm. when you think of energy efficiency and a career in energy. Uh, I grew up in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Uh, From there, I attended Raving College in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And that's really the the crux of where I got started in the industry. I had an internship in AV Integrator, which is where I first got introduced to the first company I worked for, which was Lutron Electronics. I started there in 2010. And I did just about everything you could at Lutron other than being an engineer. I started in marketing. I then transitioned to a specification sales role uh, based out of New York City. I then transitioned into a role focused more on servicing existing customers with a focus on the international business. And then I, my first real experience with the energy business was when um, I worked in the Southeast in our retrofit market. And that's where I really started to develop passion for energy, for retrofit. And uh, during that time, I actually was asked to take on a role running our sales training program at Lutron. And uh, it was a hard decision to kind of leave the energy space. But the second I had the opportunity, I got right back in and started running the ESCO business for Lutron. Uh, Last year, Acuity reached out and, and said, hey, you know, we'd really like to see you expand your career in energy and asked me to join the energy solutions team for Acuity, which I did 
in April of 2023. So it's been a really nice transition to to be able to get deeper into the energy space over time and where I really started to get my roots within ASCO as well. Uh, that's excellent. So I just want to take a step back for a second. So do people from your home hometown give you a hard time about being in the energy efficiency industry? A little bit, a little bit. You know, <laughs> I where I live, where my parents live, uh, we, we live above, below a strip mine. And so mm. it's, it's very much heavily into, into fossil fuels. So this is a, a mm. big change. It was a big change coming into it. Oh, yeah, I can. I can imagine. And then um, I guess just one last thing. This is purely out of curiosity. You know, I always think, um, you know, there's a there's a void in our industry for uh, for sales training as well. Right. I, I think there's a lot of different platforms that are out there. So just briefly, um, I'd be curious just to kind of hear some of your key takeaways on the sales training side of things. Yeah. So my training focused very heavily on on product knowledge and okay. just overall understanding your customer and how to tailor your message to a specific customer. In lighting, we call on a lot of different types of customers between specifiers and distributors and contractors. And even within the subset of specifiers, you have you know, electrical engineers, you have uh, lighting designers, you have architects, all of them care about different things when it mm. comes to lighting and lighting controls. And so the most important thing that I, I really tried to reiterate was understanding what who your customer was and what they cared about, and most importantly, how they make money. Because mm. I think to, in order to appeal to a particular customer, you need to understand that structure because that's how you, not that you're you're necessarily directly contributing to that, but you're influencing their decisions on how they can make make money in the best way possible. No, that's that's great. Well, I know that's not what we're talking about today, but it just caught my ear, and I wanted to. Uh, and I think everyone listening could get something out of that too, right? Know, knowing your customer and and knowing what motivates them, so that's that's good stuff. So, all right, so you brought us up to present day, very much involved with the NASCO organization, and I know specifically this is this is interesting for me because um, I may have been at this conference when this whole idea originated, or I'd, I'd heard about it. Uh, one of the national conferences, I believe. Bring us up to speed. Tell us about the idea behind establishing this committee. Absolutely. So it really started, I, I think there were kind of whisperings about it for the past couple of years where everyone kind of throws out the idea, oh, we should have more of a women's network. You know, it'd be great to have, you know, be able to attract more women into the industry because for what it's worth, it's a very intimidating industry to enter into. You have so many people with so much experience and you're, you're kind of walking into it as a young person and saying, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this model. I don't understand, um, um, you know, what, what products are needed, how, how, how financials work. Those, there's a lot to it that I think coming in, it's very complex and you don't understand. And there are so many people that, that have this knowledge and experience. And so we want, we always said like, it'd be great to be able to pull more different types of people into this organization. And so we kind of had whispers about it over time, but it truly developed at the NASCO regional meeting in Pittsburgh. Uh, a bunch of us got together. There were a few women, a couple of men said, we really like we've been we've been kind of talking about it, but we really should do this. And um, so I talked to Tim Unruh, who's the executive director of NASCO. And I was like, hey, like, we, you know, it it seems as I'm socializing this idea, people are really interested in getting engaged. And Tim kind of said, hey, put together a proposal, bring it to me. Let's let's see what we can do. Um, I talked. I work for Cutie, and I talked to to them about this as well, and they were very supportive of getting behind and letting me dedicate my time and and energy into getting this up and running. So we presented it to the board at the um, 
at the annual meeting in, I think it was November of 2023, it got approved unanimously. Nobody had anything but great things to say. And I think it really is a testament to how much the industry wants uh, a focused women's network. And the network isn't just for women. And we'll talk about this a bunch. It is anybody who wants to support growth of diversity within the industry. So you could be any race, any gender, any whatever you want to be, we're encouraging you to be a part of it because success never happens in a vacuum. And I think this is something that is really well understood at this point in time. You can't have a group of just like-minded people trying to influence change. You know, you give a, a, a group of people that are similar, a problem to solve, and a group of diverse people, the same problem to solve. Uh, a lot of times the, the better solution comes from that diverse group. And that's really the theory that we're, we're trying to promote within NASCO as well, by bringing in younger talent, by bringing in more women, by bringing in more people of color. Anybody who wants to join, we're kind of using this. The, the beginning is the, the women's network, but I think we really see this expanding over time. That's excellent. And um, way to be the uh, the catalyst, right? I think you and the other committee members, right? Like you said, there's a, there's it's very easy to talk about it and converse about it. and But actually putting a plan into action, putting a proposal, I think that's uh, that's great. And if nothing else, someone listening here probably has an idea themselves that they can take action on and, and put it into place. So I think that's uh, that's excellent. So and uh, I think the other thing here, I, I was curious, you know, what's the primary focus of the committee? And, and could you elaborate on some of the key initiatives that hold significance? For the committee today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with this. There's um there's there's this women women's clothing brand called Dan Skin, and their whole slogan or their motto is for women by women. And I can't stress enough that that is the absolute opposite of what the women's network is all about. We are not just focused on women. We are not just a women's group. We want everyone to be involved and engaged. So as long as you have a goal of supporting women and diversity and inclusion within the ESCO industry, we want you to be a part of our organization, come to our events, join a committee, all of those things I think are really important. And again, it's not, it's the most inclusive group you can have, not an exclusive group. Uh, so again, I can't stress that enough. Our goal is to really engage women, create opportunities, create networking, mentorship, and collaboration. And again, none of this happens in a vacuum. So we want, we want it to be very inclusive. Some of our key initiatives, uh, as we're starting, we're really starting to build this group, just so you know, um, our very first committee meeting is actually going to be uh, at the federal market at the end of the month. So there's still a lot to work through, but, you know, we're going to host quarterly networking events and educational sessions. And and a lot of the educational, we're kind of talking about one-on-one stuff, like how to get, how to get from zero to, uh, you know, 10, not a hundred, right? There's a lot of experience and we want our you know, mem- NASCO members to be able to contribute and educate young folks, women, people that are new to the industry, even maybe people that aren't new to the industry that just kind of glanced over a particular segment and want to learn more about it. So we'll have those educational programs. We plan to create a, uh, a mentorship program as well to, again, foster that the young people, the new people within the organization. And long term, we'd also like to start a scholarship program as well to attract folks that are in college to to start to get engaged in, in the energy sector. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think that lines up really well. Like, you know, we've spoken with Tim in the past about building some of those relationships with universities. I know they're already doing it today, but I think that's that's a really good 
intersection of just in general building awareness for the industry, but also syncing up everything that you guys are, are driving with some of these initiatives with the committee. So that's a that's a really nice complimentary pairing there. So yeah, and and I guess uh, there's probably a lot of people listening that might be interested in or joining or learning more about this. So for any individual out there, again not just women, any individual out there interested in joining, what's the process for becoming part of the committee? And I think you may have touched on this, but um, just, yeah, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the cadence again, about how frequently the committees are meeting, the committee's meeting. Sure, absolutely. So uh, members of an ASCO are actually companies. So you're either um, a, a regular member, t- member, typically the ESCOs, or an affiliate member who are uh, those who support the ESCOs, like, for example, Acuity as a manufacturer is an affiliate member. So if you are a part of an organization that is either a member of NASCO or an affiliate member of NASCO, you are you qualify to be able to join the committee. Uh, steps to do that are pretty easy. You either reach out to the chair, who at this time happens to be me, um, or to NASCO directly. Uh, right now, that person is Michelle Yoon. So anybody who is listening to this maybe later on, those names may change, but reaching out to the chair or to anybody at NASCO directly, we can get you connected and get you on our invite list to all of our events. Um, and then also, you know, to get involved in a committee, there's a lot of different ways to get involved. Of course, a committee is one. We're, we're going to start to form a, a variety of different committees to support our initiatives. There's going to be you know, one for the scholarship, there's going to be one for the mentorship program, one for our educational programs, one for our events. So there's a lot of ways that you can get involved to help support our goals. And maybe you don't have enough time to to be very active on a committee. There's other ways you can sponsor some of our events, you can contribute to our scholarship. There's a lot that organizations can do to support us with, with time and resources. Yeah. So if, if there's uh, any leaders out there listening, you're an affiliate member or you're a full member of NASCO, make sure you're spreading this message across your team. You know, you might have some individuals that aren't plugged in with the NASCO organization, even though your company is a member, make sure you're sharing this message, make sure you're getting other people involved. It's a great way. You know, we think about employee retention all the time, right? And one of the things is um, getting people engaged and, you know, feeling like they're part of a greater cause. And I think this is a this is a great way to bring along some of your team members that may not go to the committee or may not go to the annual conference or the regional conferences, but this could be a great way to get involved, right? That, that's just kind of what I was thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, good. No, I, I think that um, that really gives us a, a well-rounded view of how it started, what you guys are up to and, and where you're going. So I think I want to transition just to kind of like, let's get back to the uh, kind of the industry as a whole, right? I'm, I'm always curious, you know, every time we have a guest on like yourself, a leader in the space, I'm always interested to learn about your perspective on where you see the industry heading, right? Five, 10, 15 years from now. Uh, what are your thoughts, Leslie? Well, I think the good news is there's a lot of job security in the energy industry right now. Seems that uh, way, yeah. State, local, federal governments, have initiatives, you know, some by 2030, some by 2050, some beyond then to reduce carbon emissions across the country. And no matter the politics of it, I think that's going to continue for the next 10, 15, 20 years. How we achieve that, I think, is going to evolve over time. Um, You know, coming from the lighting side of things, back, back a few years ago, Lighting retrofits were the end-all be-all. They had a great ROI. They were easily achievable. We called them the low-hanging fruit because you could go in and you could have your customer pay nothing, finance the project, and get them an entirely new lighting system. And I think, of course, that is very much going to change 
in the coming years, as a lot of these lighting retrofits have already been done. Of course, there's going to be, um, you know, relighting LEDs again, right? So you, you, maybe you transition to LEDs, in, you know, in the early 2010s, right? 2014, 2015. And now there's a lot more efficient fixtures that are available. So you may choose to uh, go to an, from, from an LED to an LED upgrade, but the payback isn't exactly the same. <clears throat> and what I'm seeing is a lot of legislation coming out to kind of promote that. And I'll use New York City as an example. They have local law 88 for the for several years now. I mean, back even when I was working in the city, local law 88 defined where you had to have controls in certain spaces and exactly what those controls needed to be. Now with local law 97 in New York, there's actually penalties assessed for non-compliance. And I think there's going to be a way or we're going to develop a way to have those penalties be included into our ROI or our payback calculations, basically the risk of doing nothing. So, you know, you can either pay all these fines or you can not pay the fines and ha- and contribute that money instead, set it aside for your energy projects instead, because either way, you're going to have to pay the money. And, you know, I saw New York City do that. Boston has, has their own with Berto, the city of Cambridge. There's a lot going on on the West Coast as well. Of course, you have Title 24 in California. And I think that's really going to be how energy projects are are, uh, motivated in the future. It's kind of the carrot and a stick idea of, you know, it was easy and free before, I'll call it free in quotations, before. And I think we're really going to start to see that change as we require buildings to be more energy efficient, but also are kind of losing out on some of that low hanging fruit that, you know, lighting paid for everything else. And that's not really the, the situation anymore. No, that's that's excellent. Yeah, and I've uh, I'm I'm hearing a similar theme. So anytime I start hearing the same thing, you know, multiple times, like there's got to be a lot of truth to that, and that that's probably um you know probably a, a strong direction that uh, that we're pointing in right now. So I think that's a uh, that's good stuff. So let's transition to the the last part of the show here. The same four questions I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. And Leslie, I wanted to lead off with what are your daily non negotiables. Uh, so my first is work smarter, not harder. Um, I spent a lot of my career trying to find the right mix for myself. You know, I used you know, those that were more senior to me as 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 models, right? So you have the person that gets up at five o'clock in the morning or four thirty and goes to the gym, works out, and and that's how they get their day started. Or there's the person that maybe isn't as much of a morning person and chooses to get up and get their day started a little bit later, but then you see them working a lot later into the evening. For me, I found that my maximum brain power is in the morning. So I have a routine. I get up early. I make myself a hot breakfast. And the first thing I do is anything on my task list that has that requires the most brain power. So you'll see me doing a lot of prep for meetings, a lot of you know presentation work, I have to create a PowerPoint, develop new content for a customer or something that they're looking to to, uh, explore. I do all of that first thing in the morning, every morning, before my day gets away from me, before that emergency phone call, before that that fire that we have to deal with. And then by all of a sudden, it's 6 p.m. and you haven't done any of those those activities. And for me personally, I'm I'm starting to shut down by 6 o'clock. You'll see me doing more task-oriented stuff in the evening because it's just easier for me and how my brain works. And so I encourage everyone to kind of figure out what that is for themselves um, and stick to it. That's great. No, I'm the, I'm the same way, right? There's a certain, like you start to discover there's a certain pocket. There's a certain time when you're like, you're on, you can get into that flow state and you get the most done. You're the most productive. So uh, yeah, it's just identifying that. And then also guarding that time too, 
right? Making sure all mm-hmm. that other stuff doesn't infiltrate into your into your work it's, time when you're like, yeah, you got to protect it. It's so easy for it to happen too. So you have to really make that a priority and stick to it. And that's something I learned, you know, through the years. All right. Well, speaking of learning, right? Uh, let's let's rewind the clock. What what advice would you give to your 22 year old self? So this was a fun question for me because I actually, um, when I ran the sales development program at Lutron, I had a bunch of, you know, 22 to 26 year olds uh, and I gave them a lot of advice. And so I kind of pulled them and asked, you know, what was impactful for you? And I think one thing is always be curious. I think young in your career is the opportunity. You don't have to feel guilty for not knowing something. Ask the questions. Um, I had an employee once, she would always apply apologize for raising her hand and asking questions and asking for clarification. But I think at the end of the day, she was one of the most knowledgeable when she left the training program because she really took the time to seek to understand. And and not only for the 22-year-old self, but I I took my own advice the other day. I was reading an article um, about financing mechanisms for ESPCs, and there was a term that I didn't recognize. And I felt like after years and years in the industry, I should probably know this. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. But that's something I would have asked somebody if I didn't know or didn't have access to a computer. It's be curious and stay curious because there's no shame in not knowing something. I think there's a lot more shame in either pretending, you know, and not and looking silly later. Um, But also, I think in this industry, I, I alluded to it earlier, there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge and experience. I'm talking decades of knowledge and experience. I was reading back on some of your other podcasts and and you you hear all of this experience from all these people that are in the industry. And to be clear, we all love sharing information. It's not a deep, dark secret. People love to talk. They love to share the knowledge that they have. And so being curious and asking those questions is going to also help you form relationships with folks in the industry. No, I think that's that's great advice. And now you just set a new standard. You actually did some research and you ran you ran a poll to actually gather some some intel and some info on this question. So now the future guests have a new standard to live up to. I love it. All right. What what motivates you? What what gets you out of bed in the morning? So I think this 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 has definitely changed over the years. Um, but I'll go back to my training days again and pull from that. When I was in one of my roles at Lutron. Uh, I had, you know, my my whole team, I brought them in to, to observe a mid-level management meeting. I wanted them to kind of see what, what conversations are happening in a particular room that eventually in your career you'll be a part of. And I didn't notice it at the time, but when I was sitting at the table and all the employees were sitting in the, the chairs around this table, I was the only female in the entire room other than my other female employees. And I didn't think of much of it. Because I'm so used to it. Not only are we in a very male-dominated industry, but I grew up in the automotive industry. And so it was arguably even worse than that. And, you know, I got out of that meeting and my female employees came up to me and they were so excited and so jazzed to be like, hey, my boss was the only one sitting at that table. And it kind of, I reflected on that and said, not only I'm proud to be the only one at the table, but at the same time, I don't want to be the only one at the table. So I want to bring other people along for this ride as well. And I think that's what motivates me and very much so motivated me to start the NASCO Women's Network. That's perfect. No, great opportunity. Bringing it, bringing it full circle here. That's, uh, that's excellent. All right. Last question here. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Thought a lot about this one. There was a... Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the BuzzFeed news polls that you can that you can take online through their app, but it was a, a list of a bunch of people, and it's who are you? Do you think is going to be remembered in a hundred years? 
And I was thinking most of us in this industry probably aren't going to be remembered in a hundred years. So, so what do you want your legacy to be? And I think for me is I want to be able to make a difference here and now. I want to be able to walk into a room and have people look at me and say that, hey, Leslie made a difference in my life or she did the best she could to help and support me in whatever it was, whether it was a project, it was a career move, it was a personal thing in life. So I want my legacy to be that I have an impact here and now. That's powerful. All right. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the show here. So Leslie, thanks for being a guest on the Building Efficiency Podcast. Jim, thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. There you have it. Episode 104 with Leslie Pope. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. We hope that you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.